You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we're uh, closing out a three-week series that we've been in called Grace is Greater. Grace is Greater. And kind of here's where we've launched off each week is that the truth is that God's grace is greater. Uh, God's grace is greater than anything in your life. God's grace is greater than your failure, than your shame, than your addiction, um, than your pride, your selfishness, your ego. Fill in the blank. God's grace is greater than anything in your life and mine, and that is good Good news today, okay? Uh, we love to think about grace, especially in our culture, okay? A lot of us love seeing amazing grace, and we love that thought that God's grace is greater. And that's true, but here's where uh, we've kind of leaned in a little bit during this series is the, the fact is that for a lot of us, maybe we just stop at the fact that God's grace is greater than my shortcomings or than my failures. And we miss the fact that God's grace also causes us to a changed life. Okay, so here's been our foundational statement. I'll give it to you one last time and write it down. We're going to build off of this today. Here's our statement. God's grace not only saves, but it also sanctifies. Okay, God's grace not only saves, but it also sanctifies. Now write that down, and we're going to talk about it for just a second so we're all on the same page. Each week I've kind of given some explanation because there's two big words there in that um, statement, two words with S, saves and sanctifies. And while you may have an idea of what that means, I want to make sure we're all on the same page before we open up Scripture today. Um, what is saving grace? What is saving grace? Well, saving grace is really what that old hymn, Amazing Grace, sings a lot too. Okay? Saving grace points us to the fact that without Jesus, without God's presence in our lives, you and I are spiritually dead. Okay? Not bad, we are spiritually dead. We're separated from abundant life on earth and eternal life in heaven. We are without hope. Okay? But Scripture tells us the good news that we celebrated today through communion, that we sang, His name is Jesus, that God loved us so much that He gave us Jesus, okay? And through the grace of Jesus and the cross and the tomb and what God has given to us, saving grace moves us from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And we, we are offered the invitation of abundant life on earth and eternal life in heaven, and that's good news today. And here's the reality. All of us need that, okay? All of us are desperate for that. So that's saving grace. We say God's grace not only saves, but it also does what? It sanctifies. Here's what we mean by that. When someone is changed by the grace of Jesus, or as we say in our house, when someone exchanges old life for new life in Christ, then they begin, watch this, they begin a process of being changed by the grace of Jesus, okay? Theologians use the big word sanctification. And uh, in this series, we kind of define sanctification, real simple definition. Sanctification is the process of continually becoming like Jesus, okay? The process of continually being shaped into that image of Jesus that we were created in. And so while the grace of God saves us, it also sanctifies us and changes us. And so if you're in Christ, then hopefully you're in that sanctifying part of God changing um, and molding you to be like him. Now, we got that understood in place. So open up to Romans chapter 6. One last time, Romans chapter 6. If you have a copy of Scripture, whether that's a, a hard copy or digital copy of Scripture will also put some verses up on the screen behind me um, here in our gathering, whether you're online or in person, so that you can track along with where we're going to be today. And today we're going to close out Romans 6, um, and here's what Scripture is going to point us to. Here's kind of how we're outlining things for today. Romans 6 is going to give us a truth, okay, a truth that we must face, a choice to make, an action that we should take, and a result that we can all experience, okay? So that's a truth, 
a choice, an action, and a result. Now, we've covered the first 14 verses of Romans 6 last couple of weeks, and so today we'll pick up verse 15. Look at it with me, see what Paul writes. He says, what then? What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means, Paul answers his own question, okay? So here's what's happening. Paul knew the minds of his readers. He knew that they were looking for a loophole in this promise of grace. So he asked a question that if you're with us in week one, was very, very similar to how Paul start Romans 6. He says, now that we have grace, should we just go on sinning? And Paul speaks into this to say, by no means. If you remember how he answered in verse 1, he's like, absolutely not. No, that's not what I'm calling you to. In other words, here's what Paul's doing. Paul's rejecting the idea that any people who call themselves followers of Jesus would throw morality to the wind occasionally or continually. For anybody who goes, man, well, well, God loves me, right? He's full of grace. That's what Scripture says. That's what we sing. Well, then it's okay for me to dabble in sin. Paul says, no, 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 no. In Christ, in Christ, we exchange, watch this, we exchange our desire for sin with a pursuit for righteousness, okay? So here's the truth for today. I told you I was going truth, choice, action, um, result. Here's the truth. Grace, God's grace, is not a license to sin, but a freedom to obey, Okay, write that down so that we can help it make more sense. God's grace is not a license to sin, but it is a freedom to obey. Now, here's the hope that we have as a, a church family. Hopefully, we all get to the point, children, students, moms, dads, we would get to that place where we would choose and receive the grace of God in our life. That's our hope, that you would get life in Christ. However, what we have to realize is that our old life of sin and self still has the power to tempt us and to try to draw us back under its control, okay? Yes, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us and becomes alive in us, but here's what we can find ourselves doing. It looks like this. Well, man, I lean into Jesus. I lean into God in the big moments of my life. Like, man, I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to get that new job. Am I going to marry her? Are we going to buy this house? Are we going to move? My kid's rebellious. Let's get back in church, okay? And we can lean into God in those things, but then the other everyday moments of life, we have a tendency to just slide on the slippers of our old flesh. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That, that's, that's not what grace calls us to. Paul says when you choose Christ, it becomes an all-out pursuit of righteousness in your life out of response to the grace that you've been given. Okay? Grace goes first, and it calls us to this freedom to obey. Now, what, what is grace? Let's think about grace for just a second. Grace is the, it's the love and the forgiveness of God, right? That we didn't deserve, we didn't earn, we didn't ask for. It cost God the greatest price, and it gave us the greatest gift. That's grace. And when we really begin to understand that and receive that in our life, and we live out of response to that, then here's what it does. It enables us to overcome the power of the flesh that we live in. When you understand that, you will realize, catch this, that following Jesus is not a list of I have to's, but it's a life of response of I get to. See, it's not obligation, but it's response. Why? Because Jesus went first. And Jesus offers the grace that begins to change our life. And Paul says, here's what Paul's saying to the people in Romans, and he's also saying this to you and me. He says, for us to sit back as followers of Jesus and ask the question, well, is it okay for me to occasionally jump into sin because God loves me and he'll forgive me, at least that's what I heard at church, right? For us to ask that question doesn't really reflect a heart 
that's actually received and been changed by the grace of Jesus. Okay? So here's the truth today. We're building off of this. God's grace is not a, freedom, it's not a license to sin, but it's a freedom to obey. It's a freedom to obey. Now, let's look back at our passage, Romans chapter 6. And here we're going to see the choice. Verse 16, pick up. It says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, we first saw the truth that what? God's grace is not a license to sin, but a freedom to obey. Here's the choice we all have to make. You ready? To live as a slave of sin or a slave of obedience. Okay, write that down. The choice is for you, for me, will you live as a slave to sin or as a slave to obedience? Paul says every day we choose whether we will be a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. Now, here's the reality. All of us are a slave to something. Whether, whether you acknowledge it and realize it or not, we are all a slave to something. And Paul says Make the choice whether you're a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. Let me give you another verse, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. It says, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. Here's our phrase, for people are slaves to whatever has what? Mastered them. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Scripture says, whether we realize it or not, we're, we're all daily, we are a slave to something. And every day we have the choice to choose whether to live as a slave to sin or a slave to obedience and righteousness in Christ. Now, here's trying to apply this to our lives today, okay? So I tried to map out this week what might be the general day of someone in 2022, okay? So just kind of place yourself inside of this and watch how this plays out in our life, okay? When somebody wakes up in the morning, for many of you, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is what? You pull this out, right? Because it was on the nightstand and you had to look at it, right? Some of y'all, you ain't even got both eyes open yet, okay? You're single eye scrolling, okay? Because why? Because you got to check out. Did anything in your social world, did anything in your social world blow up in the last six hours that you got some shut eye, okay, right? Or for some of you, well, how, how many people like that picture that I posted last night? Did they think my kid was cute, right? And so we checked this thing. Now watch this. Before you even got out of the bed, here's a choice. There's a choice to slave to sin or slave to righteousness. For some of you, you read that post that so-and-so made, it's a family member or the friend or the person that's in your social group, and you're like, well, did they, did they mean that about me? Were they saying that about me? And you ain't, you ain't even fully awake yet, but you're comprehending. Are they, is that indirectly, directly about me? And in that moment, listen to me, here's what I'm saying. There's, there's, we're a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Before you get out of the bed, you're figuring out, man, am I, am I going to fire back and let them know what I think? Am I going to choose to take that comment or that post or the whatever? That ha am I going to harbor that level of bitterness inside of me? Or am I going to choose to be a slave to righteousness and I'm going to, I'm going to bite my proverbial social media tongue? Am I going to let that thing sit? Slave to sin or slave to obedience and righteousness? Here we go. You, you get up, brush your teeth, put your drawers on, okay? You walk into the kitchen. And your spouse or maybe your kid's sitting there or your parent's sitting there, whatever that looks like for you. And you ended last night with tension, didn't you? And you, you still hadn't made it right. You hadn't reconciled it. So standing in the kitchen pouring milk over your special K, you're going to make a decision. Am I going to be a slave to sin or a slave to obedience and righteousness? You can, you can give them the cold shoulder and start the day the same way you ended the day. Or you can go, God, I, I recognize and realize the grace that you've given to my life. Oh, my goodness. 
And I'm going to extend that to my spouse, to my parent, to my teenager, even though they may not deserve it. And before you've ever left the house, you've made choices, whether you're a slave to sin or a slave to obedience and righteousness. Right? Then you roll up to your workplace. If for all our students, woo, back at school, you roll up to your classroom and your boss at work or your teacher in your classroom, right, has laid out a new rule or a new regulation or a new project for the day. And here we go. Slave to sin, slave to obedience and righteousness, right? Are, are you going to talk about your teacher or talk about your boss behind their back to the coworker and work around the thing that they ask you to do as authority at your workplace, at your classroom? Or will you choose to lean in and follow, acknowledge and respect the authority that they have in your life in that place, even though you may not understand it? Are you with me? Just like that. Slave to sin, slave to obedience and righteousness. Who are you serving? Okay, fast forward end of the day, and you get to your spot, right, where you crash. You know what I'm talking about? At the end of the day, we all got that spot. Maybe it's on the couch. Maybe it's your chair. Maybe it's back in your bed. Like, it's where you check out. You get some you time, right? I need some me time. I need to unplug. I need to veg out, okay? And you need that spot, right? But the moment that you fall into that, what do you, get, what do, you do? You choose how, how will I refuel myself, okay? For a lot of us, we're going to do it through a screen, whether it's the scroll or the watch or the whatever it is. And in that moment, you have a choice, don't we? Every day. Whether, will, I, will I fill my mind with things that grow in me, Christ-likeness, kindness, goodness, patience, faithfulness? Or will I fill my mind with what the world gives me just so I can be entertained? And all I'm saying to us, church, is that watch just like that. Four parts of your day, just like that. Every day, will you be a slave to sin? Or will you be a slave to righteousness and obedience? And what I want you to see is that every single one of us have to choose that every single day. It's a daily work in our life. It's a daily choice to take up our cross and follow me. Jesus said daily. Even if you are in Christ, listen to me, you still live in a sinful nature. You still live in a broken flesh, in a broken world. And we have found the power that's greater, okay, than the sin that's around us or in us, but it's still a battle to choose obedience, is it not? And the hard part that we all have to get real about is that, man, our flesh is incredibly weak, is it not? A few years ago, uh, somebody introduced my wife to these meal replacement shakes, all right? I don't, I don't know who came up with that garbage, okay? But I'm just saying, somebody told my wife about it, and she was like, well, here, here, babe, here's what it, it gives you nutrients that you need, okay, all right? But it also, it'll trim you up. It'll trim you up. And she was like, well, here's what we can do. We can do a three-day free trial, and then if we like it, we'll keep going. And I was like, well, I love my wife. I like sleeping in the bed. I like peace in my house. I can stand three days, okay? I can do three days. And so, like, we did it, okay? It was like the two shakes a day and, like, one meal a day. And so, like, I drank my shake in the morning or whenever I was supposed to do it. And it filled me up for like an hour, okay? And then my body's going, what are you doing? Like, where, where, where's the rest of this? Okay, and I brought, I brought my little baggie of snacks to work. I had my little cheese and broccoli, okay? And my body's going, no, that's not, we're looking for a burger, okay? This is not what you were designed for. And somehow, I did survive those three days. And I'm still married. It's good, okay? But do you know what I learned in those three days? My flesh is weak. My will is pitiful. So much of my life, it's so easy to live according to the desires of my flesh. And Paul says, yep, 
That's the struggle, man, that we're all in. It's the same way with the sinful nature that we all battle. Everybody's in it. Therefore, we must daily choose to infuse ourselves with the power of Jesus and his spirit that is alive in us. And as Paul rounds out verse 16, he just clearly states, he says, you choose what master you serve. You choose who you're a slave to, obedience and righteousness or sin. And he says, both of them have a clear result. Do you see it? He says, sin may be pleasurable for a season, but it's false hope and in the end it leads to death. However, watch this, obedience may be difficult for a season. Didn't nobody say it was easy, but he says obedience may be difficult for a season, but in the end it leads to righteousness and life. And I don't know what you're chasing, but I'm just saying when I can clear everything out of the way and get my flesh out of the way, that's what I want. And I want to be full of righteousness and life. And so there's a choice, right? There's a choice that we daily make. You make it, I make it. We're going to make it tomorrow morning. Ready? Monday morning. Well, I live as a slave to sin. We're slave to obedience and righteousness because of God's grace. God's grace is in me. Okay, let's go back. Romans 6, verse 17. You ready? Paul says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Okay, so we've seen the truth. God's grace is not a license to sin, but a freedom to obey. Slave to sin or slave to righteousness. We make that choice. You ready? Here's the action, okay? Here's the action that makes all of that possible. Write this down. A change of heart, okay? A change of heart. Let's talk about that. Paul says you are no longer a slave because, here's what he says, you have come to obey from your heart. Don't miss this. True obedience always starts in the heart. See, as Paul talks about these believers in Rome, he's, not, he's talking about their obedience. He's not saying they were like some robotic programmed uh, individuals, but he's saying, no, their obedience is overflowing because they've received the grace of God. It's not obligation, but it's response obedience because of what God has done in them. He has birthed in them a new heart. Or the, the theological word for that is regeneration. God regenerates. He makes something new from the inside out. Then we obey. If you're a parent, you know that one of the most uh, trying parts of parenthood, is it not, is getting your children to obey what you say, okay? Some of you got 20-year-old kids, and they still don't obey what you say, all right? Uh, getting them to obey what you say. But at the same time, okay, well, that is as trying as it can be, and it's a never-ending project. At the same time, it's not one of the most um, joyful experiences of being a parent to watch your children choose to obey. Not, not, not because they're fear of the punishment that's coming, not because they want something from you, not because they're trying to stay in your good graces, but it's watching them on their own choose to obey out of love and respect for your authority in their life. And Paul says it's the same way. It's the same way as we choose to follow Jesus. Obedience is not a have to, but it's I get to that starts in the heart. Hear me, obedience is not behavior modification out of obligation. But no, obedience is because our heart has been changed. He is making us new. He has saved us and he is sanctifying us. Now, Paul looks at, he speaks to, we just read it, 
what helped them to this change of heart. They didn't change their own heart, okay? He says, here's what led, what sparked that change of heart in you. He said, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching. Or maybe your translation says, the form of doctrine. It's led to a change of heart. In other words, here's what Paul's saying. Don't miss it. These believers' hearts had been changed because they had encountered and interacted with the Word of God. Paul knew that it was essential, the reading and the teaching of God's Word was essential for a person to be changed, to be sanctified, to be regenerated, to be and think and walk and live like Jesus, okay? Let me give you a verse, 2 Timothy 1, verse 13. Paul says, what you have heard from me Keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus, okay? Let me just kind of help you understand, if you're kind of new to our family, this is why someone stands up on this moment right here on this stage every single week, every seven days on Sunday, and we teach and we communicate and we preach the living word of God because accurate truth is essential for heart change, okay? One of our core values that's been in place for the decade that we've been in church one of our core values, in fact, the first core value is that we're exchanging ideas for truth. What does that mean? That means that we know the reality, that we live in a world with about a billion ideas on what it means to be a good person, to know God, to get to heaven, to get your ticket punched, okay, to not be bad. There's a million ideas, but we believe Scripture is really, really clear, that Jesus says, I am the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no, no one gets to the Father except by me. So that's why we have a commitment to teach the Word of God. It's also why, man, I would just say to you today, it's also why we're called to be aware. As we follow Jesus, we're called to be aware of teachers who tell you, preachers who tell you just what you want to hear. All right? We, we live in that day because, hear me, if the truth is never challenging and changing us, okay? If the truth is never challenging us or changing us, then there's a really good idea it's not the truth. If it just agrees with everything in your life, there's a really good chance it's not the truth because the truth in us, the pattern of teaching, the sound doctrine, watch this, is what changes and gives us a new heart, okay? Now, here's what Scripture says, not my words, but God's. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, look at this. For the time will come. In other words, Scripture's saying, like, book it, We'll live in this moment. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers, preachers, however you want to say that, to say what their itching ears want to hear. And then here's the scary part of verse 4. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Timothy says, write it down. A day is coming when people will only listen to what's easy. And I'm just saying to you, like, that's why we have a commitment in this spiritual house to chew on what's easy in the word and to mull on and chew on and meditate on what ain't so easy. All right, right? Sometimes we walk out of the gathering, man, we happy, we on cloud nine and we encourage, God loves me. And then sometimes we walk out and we're like, woo, it was all up on my toes today. Why? Because here, because the truth of God's word is what changes and opens up our hearts for Jesus to do a work in us. And hear me, okay, the desire each week is not for myself or whoever stands in this public gathering role. The goal is not to stand here and just impart to you information to make you smarter. 
We, we hope you gain knowledge. God's Spirit can do that. But the truth, the truth hope is to share truth with you that becomes information that begins to be applied into your life that leads to transformation of your life. A changed heart. A regenerated self through Christ, through his grace. But let me just lean in a, a little bit more to this to say that I believe Paul's saying we must be continually shaped rather than occasionally shaped by the word of God. There's a continual call, not an occasional call. Here's what I mean by this, okay? For some reason, we, we now live in a society, a part of the world, Bible Belt, South, whatever you want to call it, okay, where a lot of people, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying a lot of people, believe that, man, if I go and sit in the church building for 30 minutes or 60 minutes on a Sunday, under a steeple or not, and I find a good preacher who makes me laugh a little bit, tells me some good stories, and read some verses, that that's it. I've taken in the word of God that I needed for my life. And can I just say to you, like, if you're new to our family or you've been with us for a while, like, like we're going to keep doing this, okay? As long as the world exists, we're going to keep gathering every seven days because you need it and I need it. This is going to be it. Like, I hope you keep inviting people so we can't fit any more people in the building, okay? That's, we're going to keep doing that. But here's what I'm saying. If this moment right here in this room or online, wherever you join us, if this is the only place where you get a little dose, a little intake of God's word, then you're in big trouble. You're doing it wrong. See, God calls us to feed on his word, that we continually, consistently immerse ourselves in that. Think about it. You ain't going to eat lunch today, wherever you're going, to the Ichiban, smash the buffet, going to Grandma's, wherever you go, and then you're going to eat lunch today, and then you're not going to touch lunch again or a food again until next Sunday at lunchtime, Right? No, in my house, we eat again on Sunday night, okay? Like three hours later, I'm like, where's the sandwiches? Are you with me? It's the same way with the Word of God in us. And the Word of God, the Spirit of God, is what breeds and creates and changes and molds inside of us. And so I'm just saying for us today, like, this moment is good and right, and it ain't going away at all. But, like, man, how are you immersing yourself as a dad, as a mom, as a single parent, and in the Word? Man, make it bite-sized. Read a chapter a day. We got life journal plans in the lobby, online, get in an e-group with two other people, download the Bible app, let it read to you on the way to work, read a plan with a friend. There, you, you, there's no excuse on I don't have options, okay? But it's immersing ourselves in the Word of God because here's why. The Word of God leads to heart change. But we've got to consume it continually. Now, the original words in verse 17, in the original language, they actually speak to they allude to a, a melting of metal so that it can be shaped. That's what Paul's writing about. Well, why would he put that in there? Because he's saying that when we continually immerse ourselves in the word of God, that's what it does to our life. That it begins to soften those hard and callous parts of us. It begins to weed out and purify those really selfish parts of us. And it makes us moldable so that God can continually transform us into his image, which, oh, is the whole goal of sanctification in the first place. That we would be saved by his grace, we'd be sanctified by his grace. That we'd be continually growing to become more like him. Okay? So the truth, God's grace is not a license to sin, it's a freedom to obey. Are we living as a slave to sin, slave to righteousness? It comes through a change of heart. And there's one last result. Let me see if we can fast forward and work it all the way to the end. Romans 6.18, pick up with me. You have been set free. You've been set free. Don't miss that. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves 
to righteousness. Here's how we're going to categorize the last part. It's just a result, and it's not a, a guaranteed. It's just available, okay? Here's the result, freedom. Freedom. Paul says when God truly changes your heart through the truth of God's word, as a result, we can find freedom. Now, in our last few minutes, I'm going to ask you to answer this question just in your head and your spirit, okay? Here's the question. What kind of freedom are you living in? All right, you can write that down. Just think about it. What kind of freedom are you living in? Now, I think the rest of Romans 6 kind of presents us with two options. I'm going to talk you through it. What kind of freedom are you honestly living in right now? You ready? Romans 6, verse 20. Here's what Paul says. Skip down a couple of verses. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Verse 21. What benefit did you reap at that time? When you lived as a slave to sin, what benefit did you reap at that time? From the things you are now ashamed of, those things result in death. So here's the first type of freedom that maybe you find yourself in, which is how we're going to call it this way. False freedom. Okay, it's, a, it's a false sense of freedom. Scripture says when we live as a slave to sin, we live in a false sense of freedom. Now, we've all seen a false sense of freedom before. You ever seen a dog on a leash? Okay, how many of you dog owners? Good dog owners. We got a new little Yorkie at my house. We're figuring it out. She's going to the bathroom everywhere, okay? So if you got that figured out, come to my house, all right? If you've ever seen a dog on a leash, you've seen a false sense of freedom, right? That leash could be 10 feet long, 20 feet long, 30 feet, all right, however old PetSmart's uh, sold to you. You put that dog in the leash, and what can they do? I mean, they can fetch the ball, they can bark, they can do their business, they can dig in the dirt, they can chase you, whatever, as long as it's within that radius of the 10, 20, 30 feet. As far as that dog knows, woo, free as a bird. But you as the owner know what? You ain't free at all. And here's what Scripture says. It's the same way with us. It's the same way with you and with me. All of us, every single one of us, are born into this false sense of freedom because all of us are born into sin. It's in our nature. You don't have to teach a two-year-old the words mine. They come with that already programmed because we're born into sin. And Paul says in false freedom, look at this, in false freedom we are free from the control of righteousness. What does that mean, Paul? That means when we're in false freedom, there is no real accountability in our life. Man, we live for us. We live for what fulfills us, what makes us feel good. And we try this thing, that relationship, that addiction, that success, chase a little more money, get that house, drive that car, my kid looks like that. Fill in the blank. And this fulfills me for this season. Well, not anymore. We're going to do this. All the while, Paul says, ultimately you're living in a false sense of freedom. And you're living blinded, scriptures say, blinded to the false freedom. You don't believe me? Look at what God's word says. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this age, little g God, okay, so not almighty God. We're talking about enemy God. The little g God of this age has done what? Has what? Blinded. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. As slaves to sin, hear me, we're blinded. And here's where we're living. We're living in the slack of that leash. As long as there's a little bit of slack, we're free, right? 
And we can chase those things that seem to please us, that seem to satisfy us, that seem to be like, this is what life's about. Be successful. Provide for my family. Drive that car. Like, this is what I'm living for. All the while, not really realizing we're living with a false sense of freedom. But you know what I found? You know, I realized as I watched a lot of people's lives, all of us at some point in life, we hit that tension point, don't we? You know what I'm talking about? Like when the dog hits the tension point, like when the dog sees the squirrel run, all right, or the car drives by, or you walk out on the deck and you're 25 feet away, but the leash is only 20 feet, what happens? Okay, what happens to the scooter at that point, right? That leash pulls back, he's reared up in the air, depending on how much momentum he was running with, and what? What happens at that moment? The dog realizes he was never really free. The whole time, it was a false sense of freedom, but he was never really free. And here's the catch with you and me. Listen to me. Because we were all born into sin, it's impossible for you and I to break the pull and the power of sin that's on our life. Just like that dog can't get itself off that leash, for you and I, it's impossible to break the pull and the power of sin on our life. And here's why I know, because some of you have tried for years and years. And man, listen, you've done, you've done a lot of great things. Facebook recommended some really good stuff. You read that self-help book. Your mother-in-law shared some advice on how she thought you should change. You've even tried the perfect attendance at church. Well, we could just show up enough at 10 o'clock on Sundays. Listen to me. Those can be really good things. But here's the truth. You, you and I do not have the power to break the pull of sin on our life. Maybe for some of you, you feel worn out today. You're like, well, I don't know if there's any more options. Like, I'm, I'm kind of hopeless in that. In Romans 6, Paul writes, and he gives some truth, but he also gives some hope. I want you to look at one more verse from our chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You're going to know it but I want it to make sense in a new way today. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. But, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul says what? He says, the wages of sin is death. Here's what he means. In other words, if we walk around in that false freedom long enough, we'll die there. That false freedom, living as a slave to sin, it always ends in death every time. Not just physical death, but even greater, there's a spiritual death that's apart from God. And the reality is there's a lot of people today who are living in that false sense of freedom. But I told you there was two, okay? I just asked you, I mean, you're one or the other. Some of you, maybe you'd acknowledge you're in a false sense of freedom today. For some of you, though, listen, there's a second kind of freedom. We're just going to call it this. It's eternal freedom, okay? It's eternal freedom. Now, in eternal freedom, hear me. No longer are we linked, think about that leash, no longer are we linked to the master of sin. But now we link our lives up to our heavenly father. And we live as a slave to obedience and righteousness. But listen to me, some of y'all distorting that idea of slave. No, it's not like I'm a slave and I follow because he's demanding and he's harsh and he requires this. No, it's like, man, he has loved me immeasurably. His grace has changed my life. So I, I choose to follow. I don't know anything else in my life that is freeing, but that. And we willingly live as a slave to God. Watch this. Not out of obligation, but out of response. And when we live as a slave to God in response for what he's done, we begin to realize this, this earth-changing truth. You ready? True freedom, what you really want, what I really want, true freedom is not found in running from God. But it's actually found when we 
we draw near to him. Well, if I follow God, he's going to tell me don't do this and stop that and end that relationship and cut that habit. Listen, now true freedom is not found in how, how far out can I stretch the limits of God's love. Will he still love me if I do this? Listen to me. True freedom is found when we draw near to him because, man, he's loved me first. He went first. He covered me with his grace. It's unconditional. I can't do anything but follow him with my life. Over the last 10 years, man, I've had the joy of getting the opportunity to meet with tons and tons and tons of people, dozens and dozens of people who are thinking about taking their next step of faith through what we call believer's baptism to publicly show what Jesus has done in their lives. And as I've met with and students, men, women, children, moms, dads, grandparents, you know what I found? That in all those conversations, there's like this one running theme where they all begin to say things that sound very, very similar. And they say, you know what? I, man, I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off of me. Like I've, I've never known, in 30 years, I've never known a peace like this. In 60 years, I've never felt this release and relief. And every time I get to tell them, you know what that is? That's the freedom only found by grace. That's the eternal freedom that Jesus wanted all of us to have. And here's the good news today, Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Not living as a slave to sin, but man, they found the joy of Jesus as master. Who are those who are in Christ Jesus because who? Because through Christ Jesus, that's why all the songs talk about him. That's why all the teaching points to him. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you, what? Has set you free from the law of sin and death. God's grace is greater. It's greater. And God's grace offers you and it offers me eternal freedom. But can I tell you the tragedy today? Can I tell you what I prayed for today? The tragedy is that there are people sitting, maybe even in this room, in our online gathering, they're in your family, at your workplace, and they refuse to receive the freedom that grace offers. That good grace. And it's like this. It's like they're sitting in a prison cell with the door open. But they refuse to stand up and walk out. And I'm just saying that God loved you so much and he, praise the Lord, he loved me so much that he offers grace, free grace, to offer you and me eternal freedom. But we have to realize God's grace is not a license to sin, but man, it's a freedom. It compels me to obey. And every day, tomorrow, next day, next day, you're going to choose whether you live as a slave to sin or a slave to obedience and righteousness. And when you choose that, hear me, listen, it only comes from a changed heart. It's being transformed by the grace and the truth of God's word. And when all those things are in play, then you get the gift, the free gift of not false freedom, but of eternal freedom. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. 
If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.